Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 124 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. And today we are talking about how... (laughs) I don't know. The world just seems to be kind of falling apart at the moment. And (laughs) uh, there is a lot going on and has been for a while. And I know that that is something that can become really overwhelming. And I guess we're we're here to just kind of talk about taking care of yourself a little bit during this, wouldn't you say, Sarah? Yeah. And just sort of I really want to talk today about how much news we take in, how we process the news. I mean, we have had quite a month. We are recording this in mid-October. We'll touch on some of the things that have happened in the last month in the world and in our country. But even if you're listening to this a year from now, there's most likely something going on in the world or in your life. So we're going to talk about, yeah, taking care of yourself, continuing. You got to put one foot in front of the other as a mom, especially if you have little kids who you know, are, are demanding your attention. Um, but I think we also need to talk through how much of the news headlines can we consume and how do we yeah. consume them? And um, maybe some small tips or action that we can take to, I don't know, do that in a way that allows us to put one foot in front of the other. It's not easy. Yeah, that's true. And and also to feel like you're making a difference and being proactive in a way that actually is helpful. And I know that when things are going really badly, my uh, first inclination is to just sit and scroll and consume yes, and yes. not, you know, and then feel more and more helpless and angry. And yeah. it's really, um, it's kind of productive. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't help me uh, be able to be a more positive influence in the world. And it doesn't really help anybody uh, right. to do that. So, I, but I think it's very natural because it's so overwhelming and we don't yeah. know where to start. So we can also talk about taking action, like what what requires, like what warrants you to take action on it. And if you have discovered, or I guess, figured out that thing that does, how do you go about that and not feel like you have to take every single thing on because none of us can. So, yeah. So this is a big one. It is. It is. And I want to acknowledge too, that some of our podcasting friends, I feel like this is sort of one of those collective times when people just feel the need to talk about this stuff. So we'll link up in the show notes, but um, some other great podcasters have done similar episodes lately. And I think it is because it's, it's hard to kind of move forward with our general topics, motherhood and parenting and family life without kind of acknowledging that life is kind of intense right now. So yeah. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. 
It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Right back into it. So I had to write this down because I almost like couldn't even remember the things I lost that, track that have been literally. happening yes. for the last month. And if you are listening a year from now, you you'll remember the, you know, fall 2017. So we had hurricanes and flooding Harvey and Irma that wreaked havoc on Texas, Florida, Puerto Rico, the entire Caribbean um, and other affected places. Um, we had a catastrophic shooting in Las Vegas uh, beginning of two weeks ago now. I'm losing yeah, track. So. Yeah. Or beginning of last week. Um, and then, you know, we have ongoing fears about global issues, terrorism, um, rising tensions with various countries around the world. We have a political climate like we've never seen before. So yeah, it's crazy. It, it is a lot. <laughs> and it's funny because when you when I look at that, like that's a snapshot of this just this last month. The month before that was equally crazy. Like, I just feel like yeah. it's just been adding. I mean, that was I think the week the month before that was Charleston. I feel like that. Yes. Um, like went right into the hurricanes. It's it's yeah. like one major event yeah. after another after another, and it just feels like they just keep coming. These are these are hard times, and these I, I want to recognize that. Like we're not. I do not want to gloss that over. Um, I'm not going to get political in this episode necessarily, but I have pretty strong opinions yeah. about some of the things going on, and that makes it even harder. Like because yeah. you do because there's anger. Then it's not just there's anger. Not, yeah. yeah, you're there's not just fear. upset, and you're yeah. also like 
pissed off about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, oh, yeah. one thing I didn't write down is we haven't, this is different, but the Harvey Weinstein sexual oh, abuse gosh, allegations yeah. going on right now in the entertainment industry is upsetting, really upsetting. Yeah. So anyway. Um, it feels so, like no matter what your trigger is, there's something for everyone yes. right now. So yeah. 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 I was, I wondered, I wanted to start with a question is like, cause you and I are kind of opposite personality types in a lot of ways. I, I was curious, how do you know when this type of a climate is affecting you? Like what, what do you notice? I know you're someone who feels things more physically than I do and more emotionally yeah. sometimes. So what does that feel like for you when you mm. notice that this is starting to pile on? You know, sometimes I don't even notice. I don't even recognize that it's, it's about that. So like what I end up doing, um, and this is a good example, like two weeks ago, I want to say, um, that was when the Las Vegas shooting, I believe, happened. I don't even know. I'm losing track. And I spent way too much time on Facebook, mm-hmm. like reading through people's reactions. And then what ends up happening is it starts to pile up. So not only do I feel anxious and angry and sad and helpless and all those things, but then I start to not take care of things I need to take care of. Like right. I don't go work out. I don't um, I don't stay on my work schedule the, day, the way I need to. Like I just and then that adds a lot of stress. too. Right. And so that's how I feel like just it ends up feeling like like stress and it also feels like this um like this very impotent feeling like like what I really want to do is sit up and fire a whole bunch of really yeah. angry Facebook posts off and I know that's not helpful yeah. so I try not to do that but then I just feel like I'm not doing anything and it's just this vicious cycle so yeah, yeah like anxiety high anxiety yeah. yeah yeah I would agree one thing I noticed and I was like acutely aware of this I think last week is I start to it I start to absorb the world events almost as if they are like on par or in the same category as like other stressors in my life. So on the, I mean, and they are in a way because it's a, it's a sort of global environmental stressor, but I noticed like we had a website issue. Our website went down actually twice, two different times. And um, that was stressful for me. It was affecting, you know, our podcasts and, and all of that. And like, it was around the same time as one of these kind of major events. And I, and then something was going on, the kids were sick. And like, in my mind, it was like this laundry list. And I really had to step back and be like, okay, there's things that are like globally important, but not immediately affecting my life in this minute. And then there's things affecting my life in this minute that really aren't that big a deal in the grand scheme. But does that make sense? Like, it's almost yeah. like they get all thrown into a soup pot. Everything gets like conflated and I can't, one way or the other. I can't yeah. sort out um, like what what to focus on. What requires action? What requires immediate action? And of course, it sounds, I hope it doesn't sound like callous to lump all those things together, but that's the way it felt in my brain is like, wait, what am I like? What what do I even do right now? I have like, right, what am I upset about? That's what it feels like, which is, so I guess, I don't know, for both of us, probably slowing down and kind of letting yourself feel those feelings. um, Yeah is is probably a good well thing. and the Easier other thing the, the other danger i think when i get to that point i'll get to a point where i'm like so overwhelmed so anxious so mad that i realize i have to stop and then i numb out yes so, like i can tell too when i've gone too far or like when i've taken too much in is that i stop caring about anything like i yes. just i just turn it all off and that's not good either like we can't we are global citizens. We are, yes. you know, our neighbors, neighbors. Like we can't just shut off. Like I, I can't stop caring if there's another shooting, you right. know, that like that is something right. that requires me to know and, and think about it and care. Um, and I do find that when I don't take care of myself in that way, I do kind of flip, like I'll flip a switch at one yeah. point and just, 
and just go numb and that's not good either so it's it's like it's very difficult it is i feel like i hope that this entire episode isn't just us saying it's very difficult but it really is very difficult it and is I and i acknowledge that that like yeah. you're not overreacting if if all of these things are really affecting you and maybe you don't even recognize or, re- or realize that they are and I, I want to go into that numbing effect because I, I'm going to say something that is maybe unpopular or maybe I'm just weird. But after the election of 2016, I completely shut off. I mean, everybody said I had to step away from the news. I mean, I literally co- did not or could not consume any kind of news media, not TV, not Facebook headlines, not like a quick update of the headlines. And I stayed completely off Facebook and Instagram as as apolitical as Instagram is for months. I mean, I want to say like five months off of Facebook, except for work. Wow. I never scrolled a feed. And I don't know that it had the effect that I thought it was going to. And that's the part that may be like unpopular or maybe I'm just weird. Um, but I think that numbing I thought would come. I thought that stepping away would somehow like let me clear my head and then I could ease back in with very um, deliberate choices of the kind of news I want to consume. But Mm. the world is so weird right now (laughs) that there's not like a digestible, there's not like one smart New York Times think piece that will help us sort it all out. It truly is flying at us at a speed that is. So I little by little, I got back in. I tried to start getting a little bit more informed. I was feeling less, less afraid, less sad. And I'm not sure that it feels any different. Isn't that weird? Like, I feel like that should have had some kind of epiphany for me. And I'm, I'm not sure that it did. So now I'm back to normal social media consumption. Um, I do think that that scrolling too much does add to that numbing feeling exactly mm. like you say. And I think a lot of our listeners will relate to that. I'm just not sure how to solve that. Do you well, know what I mean? because Sarah, the reason that that is, I mean, the reason that stepping away, if I can make an assumption, yeah didn't really have the effect that you hoped for <laughs> is because it's not other people's reactions to things that are stressing you out. It's that things, yeah. crazy things are happening yes. every single day. So you can't really, I mean, they are, it's just a fact. And right. no matter what you do, even if you're not taking in social media, you're, you're finding out about it one way or yeah. another and you're seeing it around you. And um, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not escapable. Yeah. I agree too that like scrolling too much is bad, but on a day that I do, you know, my typical Facebook or whatever um consumption, I don't feel any worse or better right. than a day that I skip it entirely. Um it's just the world is just what it is right now and and that there's kind of like no escaping it. And that just sounds so like it just no. that sounds really um bleak and yeah. but it it's just that's just a fact. And I will also say we talked about this a little bit you know, the fact that many of our listeners have young children. And yeah. when I had young children, I remember feeling all of this stuff, like even like tenfold. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't, I remember when Jacob was a baby was when um, there was that anthrax scare. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And um, there wasn't well, he was media. born pre 9-11, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He was yeah. born several years before. So you that. had two um, little kids on September 11th. Just I, did. For, I had two little ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, f- uh, four and two, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, which is where a lot of our listeners are. Yeah. And those events, um, but even something minor, like, okay, so starting with the anthrax thing, like, <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get anthrax, you know, like, it really wasn't going to happen. But it's still, I was so much more afraid then yeah. of something relatively small because I had a baby to take care yeah. of. And then when 9-11 happened, you know, again, there was no social media. I had a right. forum. I remember there was a forum that I was posting in that day, but mostly I just watched TV. Yeah. Um, and just like everyone else in the world. And I think that having little kids compounded it so much. It, 
I remember having these feelings like, what would I do if there was an emergency? How would I get these two small children? And like, what would like putting myself in the shoes of someone with little in little kids in that environment and thinking about how terrible and stressful and awful it would be to try to protect your little children. That was like, that made everything that much more compounded. I do feel like now that my kids are older and I don't know if this is um, hopeful to people listening or just kind of sad, but I feel like the older they've gotten, the more I'm able to go, okay, like I don't, I'm I'm responsible for all of their safety, but I'm not like, I'm not responsible solely for keeping one of them alive. They can all right. run and walk right. and like, you know, it's just, it's just yeah. a different feeling. And even if something isn't directly threatening you, there's that fight or flight response. And yeah. if you've got little ones that you're also responsible for, it's like, yeah. it triggers that someplace where you don't even consciously know what you're yeah. afraid of. You just, yeah. you know, your job is to protect these people. Yeah. And you could end up in a situation where you don't know how you would do that. And I remember when my kids were really little, it was so much even worse than it is now. So now I feel like it's, it's on a bigger, like more universal scale. Like yeah. my world has expanded. So instead yeah. of being like hyper-focused on um, protecting my little group, it's right. like, Oh, well, how do I be a good world citizen? Yeah. You know? So it's a different, it is, it's, it's a, still a big di- issue, but it doesn't feel necessarily as uh, just as like, right now urgent. Yeah. Like that immediate threat. I know exactly that feeling that you mean. Um, I wanted to ask you because I feel like this is something you're better at than me when you are, let's just stay with scrolling Facebook for a minute. Cause you do it, I do it. And I'm going to guess some of our listeners do it. Do I feel like you are better than I am about seeking out some longer form articles and really sort of like diving in. I feel like I get a little callous about the quantity of things being shared. And like you said, with the numbing, the effect of that on me is I start to think, well, every news outlet has an agenda. Every person sharing has an agenda. And so I often don't click through and read anything all the way through. And I don't think that's good. I feel like from what I know of you, I feel like you're better at seeking out a few longer form articles, reading them, and then sort of forming your opinion. Do you feel like that's true? Yeah. Well, I don't know that I'm good at it. I think that um, my immediate, and, and we can get into this as well, like the pressure to form an opinion immediately now is like Mm -hmm. never before. That Mm -hmm. is something that I think is unique to this era Mm -hmm. and this time of life. And especially social media um, has definitely exacerbated it. Um, I resist that. I don't like to form opinions quickly, even if I can look at something and say like on the surface, I can see what's happening here. Like I know what this is. And a good example of that is uh, was Charleston. I mean, I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, these people call themselves white nationalists. I know what that means. Right. It doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take a lot for me to put two and two together here in my head and figure this out. However, the pressure to then have something to say about it was where I bulked. And mm-hmm. it was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give myself a couple of days and read articles and figure out what's happening so that when I do speak, what I say uh has an impact because right now there's so many voices and so mm-hmm. many opinions and so much out there. And People do tune it out. People, that's why people retreat to their corners and only go to what they know mm-hmm. to be true um, or what they think to be true. And then they find the opinions that confirm mm-hmm. their biases. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be that person. Right. I, I'd rather, you know, I know that my, like my Facebook friends group is very diverse. It's people that right. I've worked with on both coasts. It's people I went to high school with. Um, right. It's people that live in my little, you know, like my little conservative neck of the woods. And then people from, uh, literally the completely opposite side of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I see the way people get in their corners and stay mm-hmm. there. And and I don't want to contribute to that. But at the same time, I need to speak my truth. So mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I, I guess I'm not sure I'm answering that question, except yeah. that it is, I try to read intelligent people that I trust. Yeah. Um, Taking something apart and looking at all sides and then letting myself have a little bit of time before I say, do I agree with what they said? Do I think they had some valid points that I don't mm-hmm. agree with all of it? Um, What do I actually have to say? Do I have to say anything? And yeah. is it my job to say something about everything? And um. Yeah. And I I feel, yeah, yeah, I feel like you're very in tune. Um, I think you're good at at listening to yourself. So I like what I hear you saying is that you seek out trusted sources, but you also allow kind of your own reactions to, to sort of, you know, develop over the course of some time and trust your own opinions. I think one thing that happens with the quantity of information available, um, someone like me who thrives on information and detail, there can be pressure to sort of understand all sides to everything. And Mm -hmm. then the flip side of that is if I don't fully understand something or the argument that's going on or the nuance, then I feel unqualified, not, not just unqualified to say something, but almost like unqualified to think something. Does that make sense? No, I, Sarah, um, we're very alike in that way. I mean, yeah. I think that was one of the things that you and I haven't had in common early yeah. on as a, in our writing careers. Like when we met, um, is that we both like obsessively looked for all sides of every yes. issue. And, you know, that's why I think I've gravitated toward things I don't, I'm not a policy junkie. I don't right. really understand the ins and outs of healthcare reform. Um, I almost feel like some of those things are engineered so no one gets it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no one truly understands it. But that's like a good example of something like I don't really understand. I don't really right. understand how politics work uh, on a real thorough basis. Yeah. So I tend to gravitate towards issues that to me should not be political. Like, to me, one that I return to again and again um, is uh, our racial politics, mm-hmm. because to me, that's not politics. To mm-hmm. me, that's just being a good human being and looking at the world and, and putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And so for me, it's very easy to look at something like that and say, I might not know every single fact, but as a human being, I can look at this story and say, this is wrong. Um this outcome should not have happened. It doesn't it doesn't take a huge stretch of imagination for me to see how things are and to know that I just because I haven't experienced something doesn't mean other people aren't experiencing it. To me that right. all that takes is imagination. I don't right. it doesn't take in some compassion and empathy. It doesn't mm-hmm. really I don't have to know the ins and outs of every single story. I just need to know what the experience is of people who keep telling me what their experience is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that one's easy for me. Something like dissecting a tax code mm-hmm. I am unqualified to speak about anything except for my experience which mm-hmm. is I've been self-employed for a long time and um and I know that things like rising costs of healthcare make it very difficult to continue to live a reasonable life as a self-employed person so those are just like two things that I can kind of speak to my experience mm-hmm. but I really can't I'm not I, I don't really get the ins and outs of it. And so I, I don't know if I'm even making yeah, no. much sense, yes. but I, I think it's okay to feel unqualified about things you're not really that well-versed in. And I think what's scary about this time is that people who have really no business <laughs> um, acting like experts about things do anyway. And it becomes very confusing because very confusing. Yeah. you don't always know how to separate the people who actually know what they're talking about from the people who just sound like they know what they're talking about. And and social media has its own like customs and norms. And one thing that makes it very unlike real life is the quickness with which it's possible to uh, reply with a counterpoint of view. So like if we were having a glass of wine with like some of your friends from your small town and some yeah. of my friends and a very mixed group of people, 
even if this stuff did come up and, and tough stuff should come up. I think sometimes we avoid it too much in in real life. Yes. And then we then we like go to the other extreme online. But if stuff came up, there isn't like you can't instantly post a link to an article with a differing viewpoint or like right. Google something like you have to really be more authentic and say, I'm not really sure of the facts, but here's what I felt when I saw this on TV or so one um, one thing I'm glad we ended up here because we didn't really outline this episode very in very much detail. But one thing I wanted to bring up is I do find it a little strange that I don't feel like I have a lot of people in real life that I can say like, oh my gosh, did you see the news? I'm feeling really heartbroken about this. Or have you found any ways to help? I don't really do that in real life. And yet it's all you see online. So I almost feel like I would feel better if those, if that balance tipped a little bit and there was, you know, Brian and I talk about stuff and, um, it's not, I don't know if it's avoidance or if people are so tired of seeing every angle played out online that then when they get around real life friends, even close friends, they're just like, I'm tired of that. I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about our kids or something. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, I don't know. No. Yeah, totally. I, I uh. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, we we didn't outline this on purpose, right? Yeah. Because we we just wanted to have a conversation. Yeah. And I think what we're unpacking here is that this is deeper and more complicated than than because this is deeper and more complicated than any of us are capable of figuring out yeah because it's all complicated and uh compounded by the quickness of the way things move and the like you said the the way the communication's happening and the yeah. expectations on all of us and i right. i've got very politically um outspoken friends and i like that about them and and not just politically but just you know people who rally behind this uh, cause or or another and some who are just in general outraged by the way things are right now. Right. And I appreciate all of that. But I my outrage meter isn't always as finely tuned as theirs. Or mm -hmm. sometimes it just takes mine a while to pick something up. Or mm -hmm. sometimes I get outraged about something that other people aren't. And I think what's really frustrating right now is like everyone's expected to know everything at all times. Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of like it's very it's actually very um, comparable to like newborn parenting. Mm -hmm. Like. We can't all care equally about breastfeeding and diapering mm -hmm. and car seat brands. Mm -hmm. And but you, you don't want to be the one who says I don't know or foods. I don't care. Like right. nobody wants to be the one that says I'm I'm unsure. I don't. Or, I'm unsure, or I yeah. haven't even thought about it. Or yeah. honestly, I'm already thinking about these other things so much I don't have room to think about all these things. Right. And and yep. then when it comes to um, I did an, ep uh, an episode with um, Aaron Lochner mm -hmm. yes, a while ago. Gosh, it's been. Probably six months, maybe? six months, yeah. yeah. Um, and I want—I remember talking to her about, like, how do you stay compassionate and acknowledge that you can't, literally cannot care about everybody in the world on a personal level? And that sounds terrible. Like, that sounds really, really crass. And I don't mean for it to. I think no, I know what you mean. What I mean is the human brain is literally only capable of managing, I think the number that I've heard thrown out is like 150 relationships. After 150, that's it. You You really can't. Uh, you, there's no room in your brain to actually care personally about more than that. And that almost feels right. like a lot to me. Right. Um, says the person with like 2000 Facebook friends, <laughs> but only, you know, maybe a hundred of which I actually interact with. So that's interesting too. Yeah. It, it, our worlds have grown so much that when mm -hmm. you hear about something happening to someone that you either kind of think, you know, or maybe like are just one person removed from, it mm -hmm. feels like it should be personal even mm -hmm. when it's not. And mm -hmm. It's hard to kind of figure out how much to care about individuals 
who are almost in your sphere but not quite Mm -hmm. and then compared that against like sort of like the greater humanity yeah (laughs) i don't know i feel like i'm just like not helping at all no and in that like as i'm listening to you in that there's also like the little old thing like taking care of yourself which we haven't oh, right. even like in we the last 15 minutes have have like not even mentioned that so i i want to give a shout out to asha and christine of the edit your life show i listened to their episode from this past week which is on very similar stuff um and asha talked about and i don't I, I, she credited others for you know having this idea as well but we tend to get this idea that it's not okay to have joy or laugh or be excited about something in the future when the world is in these super, super bleak times. And again, I think it's another thing that social media makes weird, right? Like if everyone is just heartbroken over the events of the day, are you allowed to post something funny? Like, I mean, these are things that for better or for worse, we think about, um, and I love and no one agrees on that. And, and that no makes one ag- it even more difficult yes, because and- then you're, you're still going to hear the opinions of everyone, whether they agree with you or not. Right. And, and it's all going to seem equally important. Right. And, and it's so we're so afraid of of seeming as though we're disrespecting the morning or the heartbreak that's happening when, in fact, and this is what Asha's point was in their episode, the joy and sorrow not only can happen within the same person at the same time, they probably should like no one. It's not physically healthy to be all sad all the time, even when the world is like it is right now. Right. Um, and I think small children are actually a pretty good um reminder of that because um they if if you're like me and your kids are young enough you're not probably telling them or sharing them with them everything that's happening in the world anyway so you've got to kind of hide it number one kind of put on a happy face number two and number three they still have to have bedtime stories and lunch is packed and so they they do kind of force you which i think is a burden it can be a burden on moms to have to do that and i think that's why we need support and we need time when we can talk about this stuff but the upside maybe is that kids still are funny and they say funny things and and so laughter and joy and self-care and taking a break from worry is also okay to put one foot in front of the other and do stuff like you still have to go about your life like you can't shut it down just because um because this isn't going away i don't really see us like suddenly everything turning around in the next couple of months i mean so in the meantime there are dishes to be done and children to be raised and and there's also there's also fun to be had honestly like i don't think and that's where i think we get really afraid of like doing or saying the wrong thing you know Mm -hmm. like but you you know it's gonna be halloween soon and our you know we're gonna celebrate and it's gonna be the holidays and we're gonna you know do fun things with our families and um i think it's possible to have that be okay and not have that mean that we're somehow turning a blind eye does that make sense so it's like but the but yeah we I think we've become so conscientious that we all of a sudden have the ability to analyze whether like what amount of fun and funny is okay for me to have today before it crosses over into, you know, not caring about what I'm supposed to care about, which is like, it's a weird place to be. And it it makes me think of the times in my life when things really badly have happened, like when both my parents died at different times and Mm -hmm. um, just bad, bad things. And in the midst of that, you do find reasons. To, like there's something really great about a funeral, even yes. though it's terrible, mm-hmm. but you're together with your family and friends and, and people laugh and and it feels good to see those people again. And, and it's like when the crisis is personal, you allow yourself those little mm, moments of so joy and happiness because you know that you have to and there's yes. no way to get through it without it. 
And you're giving yourself not, a break from your personal. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. But when it's but everybody then when it's else. not personal, then you don't feel like you can do that. And I think that you have to remember, like, what would someone do in this situation? I yes. mean, what would, you know, I think Karen Walrand is a great example of someone. Um, she has our, on our network has the mm-hmm. Make Light podcast. She, her house was completely flooded and Complete, it's gone. Like her it's, house is yeah. basically needs to be totally torn down. Yeah. To- yeah. Like gutted. Um, and she posted very funny things during yeah. that time. And, yeah. you know, that was her levity was her way of, you know, I'm sure part of her way of getting through it. And also, I don't know, just like being herself. And I yeah. think that, you know, when you look to people like that and there's a million other of them, I'm sure who find that levity in the face of really hard times. And um, it's okay for us to do the same. I wouldn't do it at anyone's expense. Sure. Or like if someone was personally going through a crisis, I'm not going to like start, you know, posting jokes on their wall. Right. <laughs> but right. I think it's still okay for us to live our lives and yeah, find joy and laugh and have a good time. And yeah. it's life. I mean, that's life is tricky and, and full of bad and good stuff. Yeah. And I think probably it sustains us in the long haul to allow for that duality rather than like, <laughs> you know, wallow in one or escape to the other. Does that make sense? Like, I think, I don't know that, but it feels like it's probably better practice to get good at experiencing joy and sorrow together than feeling like it's got to be one or the other. Right. Yeah, that's not natural. And that's not how life works. Exactly. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay heeled sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. 
Um, all right. So should we talk about taking care of yourself? Would this be a good segment? Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about taking care of ourselves. And then let's talk about helping and how to know how to help. And oh my gosh, that's like an, an overwhelm all in and of itself. Yeah. So yeah, I think those are two great things to focus on. So, well, you know how we talked, I, I know this is maybe goes in what we were just talking about with the media, like how to kind of manage your media intake. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did, I, I just subscribed a couple weeks ago to the Sunday New York times, like the physical form. We talked oh, about it. that. We talked about doing that back in our episode about, oh, what, what episode yeah, like, was that when we talked about I media? I think it was like our second or third episode ever. So most of these people so probably have time. not heard it. Yeah, it was about just your <laughs> yeah. media diet in general and yes. having quality physical media and not just on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been meaning to subscribe to um, a Sunday paper for a long time. And I think even at that time, maybe I, I like was right in the process of doing it and then just didn't. Yeah. through didn't click submit who, who knows maybe I didn't have my credit card on me at the time but I just decided like enough is enough I'm doing it so I did and that was because I think I really wanted to read a lot of their articles and you, you know I think there's like you can read six before you have to start paying or right. something and I thought I should be supporting this media I I, I I consume it a lot yeah and I liked the idea of sitting down and, and reading a physical paper so I did subscribe but the funny thing is so I got it last week last Sunday and then by the time I realized I didn't even like you know, they wrap it up in a blue, like a blue okay. yeah, yeah, plastic yeah. bag. And it was just in my yard. And I just totally thought it was like the junk paper that, <laughs> right. like with the coupons in it. And I didn't even register what it was until a day or two later. And then it was like, oh my gosh. So I stuck it on my counter and I had a really busy week and I just didn't read it. So I'm reading last week's Sunday New York Times today and have one waiting for me now for next nice. week. And I think I'm going to purposely read them like a week late. Well, I do something kind of similar. I get the LA Times. That's our sort of local market. Um, and I, for a while when I started getting it, I felt great and I was reading a lot of it. Then I, we got out of the habit and I started to feel like it was a waste. And I was like, maybe I all became very close to canceling because I just felt like I wasn't reading it. Some weeks it just went into the recycling without being opened. Other times I'd open it and kind of lay out the sections and then never get to it. And then somewhere like, you know, a couple, two, three months post-election, I just started feeling like to me, it's worth it to spend a little bit of money on journalism, real journalism. And even if all I'm doing is sort of voting with my dollars that, you know, that, that quality journalism still can exist. And, um, I'm not here to debate LA times or New York times or again, not something I know enough about, but like that properly trained journalists are reporting on stories and publishing them in a newspaper felt somehow like, okay, I can get behind that. And so I I gave myself permission, like, even if I don't read it, I feel good about paying for it. And that's actually been a good place to be because I was like you, I would get behind and then I would start to like feel guilty or like, like this isn't what I wanted, but now I've just decided it is paying for it is the piece that I want. And then reading it is like the bonus. Does that make sense? It's right. kind of weird. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And then you feel better about when you click through and read them online, which yeah, honestly, is probably what I'll end up doing more of the time anyway. But um, the other thing I liked about this, though, is like, I, I kind of love that I'm reading old news. Yeah, because it kind of forces me to realize things don't change that fast, typically. Yes. And I don't have to have an opinion about something just because uh, there's up to the hour coverage of exactly. it. I don't, I exactly. don't have to know about it right now. It will keep like everything that's happening will still be happening. Everything that happened today will be relevant in a week. Like there's no reason for me not to slow down with the way I uh, consume things. And and honestly, I think sometimes something that happened a week ago needs more attention because things move so fast. You forget like things there will be something like major that happens and we all pay attention to it for a day and then yep. it gets pushed aside because we something shinier happens. And yep. where is the time to dig in to you know these 
stories like the Harvey Weinstein one, which is huge, and I yeah. agree, it's shocking. And although it sounds like maybe not that shocking, it, it's still kind of on this level of those of us not in Hollywood going, what? Like, how is yeah. this happening for all these years? But that totally eclipsed news that's actually affecting people like uh, people like many, many, many thousands or millions of people um, who are nameless and don't live in yeah. Hollywood and don't aren't in movies. And because this other piece of news is sexier yeah. and it's about famous people and we can't help but be super yeah. into famous people, we just kind of like it just overtook everything. Yeah. Um, so I like the idea that, you know, when I open the paper and look at it from last week, it's not going to be full of that stuff. Although yeah. I think that news maybe broke early this week. I, I feel like last week's paper is probably going to yeah. be more hurricane related and stuff like that. So it's just, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I agree. Related. Yeah. No, I agree. And I also find that my attention span is different when I read something printed. And that's true for books. That's why I read physical books and not. Yeah. Um, and so I find myself getting more into an article on something that I probably would have clicked away from online, which is one thing. Um, but the other thing I want to speak to when I talked about taking a long social, not just social media, social media and news media break after the election. When I started coming back, I will say that that is one thing that I do think was very clear right away is that I can have um, a digest, whether it's reading the paper once a week or like NPR has their up first podcast, which is only 12 minutes long. And I think the New York Times has something comparable um, where it's once a day and it's only 10 or 12 minutes and that's all you get. And just like you said, not we don't have to have minute by minute updates like there is some value in either digesting something a week later in in long form or even just having a daily digest and that was easier for me to wade back in than like we talked about earlier trying to understand all the things all the time at every minute which is impossible yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is that even about helping ourselves? No, No, but it is. It is about about protecting ourselves, protecting ourselves from media overwhelm and saturation. I remember when I interviewed Jennifer Freed for one of our episodes and I interviewed her about talking to kids about tragic events. And I will link to that in the show notes. But she started right with with the adults, which is we we have control over how much and when we consume our media. And it it sounds so simple, but I remember being like, Oh, and this was a pre-election. So I was actually like consuming a ton of media every minute from like every source. And she said, you know, I rec- she recommends that people pick one time a day and one source. So you read, mm-hmm. you know, you read one news source once a day and that's your media diet. And we have we have the ability to I mean, it, it seems like it's hard to avoid, but w- there's some agency in there that we're probably forgetting that we have. Like you don't have yeah. to consume it at the rate that you probably are. I don't know. It's yeah. good. Good food for thought. Um, any other, we've talked a lot about self care on our podcast. Anything else come to mind for you in, in terms of this no, type I of stuff? I just think just keep moving. I think just stick to your routine. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes you feel healthy and good. Mm-hmm. And if that's like exercise and eating well and taking time for yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, reading to your kids and, and all of those things, like they all need to those things need to continue happening mm-hmm. however you can make them happen and, and not just to fall into this news cycle or these feelings of being overwhelmed or helpless to the the point that we're not putting one foot in front of the other. Right. We've said that now several times. Right. But um, yeah, I just think, it, you know, and things, certain things are going to also affect certain people in, in mm-hmm. very personal ways and others won't like there's people who are going to be listeners of ours who are going to be very deeply um, affected by the Weinstein Mm-hmm. 
case and others who will look more at it like, wow, this is terrible. I can't believe this was happening, but not have that same right. personal connection. Right. Um, same with hurricanes and natural yeah. disasters. Same with uh, racial issues. Yeah. And um, th- same with shootings. Like everyone's going to feel things differently. And if mm-hmm. it's something that you feel like really deeply connected to, I think it's okay to like fall apart a little bit yeah. and just, and, and I don't, I don't want to use the word wallow, but your reaction can be much more personal. I think the problem is when we take everything equally personally, when yes. we absorb everything equally personally, because we can't for yeah. reasons we've already, right. We've already said. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. My, the only other thing I would add on the self care is um, I think finding people in real life to talk to, whether it's your spouse or a friend um, and just like, just be able to say the things that are going on like this. Yeah, this was a tough day. And again, yeah. like I said, in the, in the first segment, I feel like, a lot of people do that online and we read a lot of it. And then sometimes we forget to say those things or have those conversations in real life. And those are the ones that I think are probably more nurturing self-care wise mm. yep. um, than the way it sometimes plays out online. Just a thought. Um, yep. I know I could be better about that. I, I tend to get to the end of the day and feel like I've processed the events of the day. And then I realized I, I've only consumed um, mm. or maybe shared or liked something online, but I haven't even touched base with my spouse about like, oh my gosh, did you hear what's happening? You know, right. and I, I think that that's, that gets out of whack sometimes for me. So, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's spend a little bit of time talking about how to help and how to know how to help yeah. and how to wade, wade through all this. Um, Whew, yeah, a, yeah, I... I think um, I'm going to point back again to the Edit Your Life show because I just listened to this. Asha and Christine talk about it. And um, Asha has become really involved in community organizing um, and had some suggestions. And I'll just point listeners to that episode and to their show notes. But one thing that I have just gotten more free with is just donating small amounts of money at a time. Again, I Mm -hmm. used to fall into that trap of feeling like, well, now I've got to research all of the charity options. I've got to find out, you know, which one, like I, I, I donated to the Red Cross after the very beginning of Hurricane Harvey. And then there were all these links saying why you shouldn't donate to the Red Cross. And I was like, well, I, I didn't know, know. like, I, you know, so I think I've just sort of let go of the need to have the perfect charitable donation and instead giving smaller dollar amounts um, to the ones that speak to me in that moment and not thinking, well, now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at this with my budget and the end of the year and the giving strategy and all those are good things. But my fear was that I wasn't going to do it at all. And so yeah, a couple of things I did American Red Cross right at the very beginning of the hurricanes. I then did something that Brene Brown posted on her social media, which was um, underwear actually, because shelters, don't I mean you're not going to give out used underwear so new packaged underwear was actually one of the highest needs they had in Houston with the Mm. flooding victims Um, and there were ways to just literally send clean men's women's children's Um, and so I did that Um, and then again I saw another headline that said you know no one should be donating products what these organizations need is money and it's like every you can't can't win right you can't win and then I donated to, um, I'll have to look up which one, but some Puerto Rico relief efforts. And none was, a, none was a very big donation. And to me, that has felt easier than like trying to figure out the right one. So I agree. And I'm, I've even like now let myself get to the point where if I'm at Walgreens or like Wendy's yes, and they're like, Hey, do you want to donate a buck or whatever to this? I'll just say who's, who's the recipient of the money. And if they just say something, some organization I've heard of, which if yeah. it's a big chain they're always it's always going to be something you've heard of i'll usually just be like yeah okay i mean i'm 
and if I don't feel like in the moment that I want to, I just say no thanks. Like I'm, I'm really trying to remove all the feelings of guilt or, um, I don't know, uh, should around yeah, that. Like I mm-hmm. should, yeah, obligation. Thank you. Like I'm obligated now to research. I'm obligated to sit here and think about how much I can spare at this moment while I'm buying a junior cheeseburger. I mean, yeah. I just, I, I just, you know, if it feels right to do it, I do it. And I'm, I've also heard both things like give cash, but don't give cash to your Red Cross because it doesn't get used well, but uh, give cash to United Way. Don't give cash to this. Like, or give product, don't give product. I just feel like if we're spreading ourselves around, if we're all doing something and giving something and in some way, then it adds up and it's making a difference. It, um, it hopefully yeah. does. And I definitely don't want to advocate being like careless or blind with your giving. Right. I just, for me, it, it would become a sticking point to where I wouldn't do anything. And right. um, I feel like the the speed at which a lot of this is coming our way um like like this is just a small example but i heard a lot about giving blood after the las vegas shootings and i this is a dumb question but i i a lot of the focus was on people in nevada and the las vegas area and then i started seeing that people anywhere around the country were giving blood and i have o negative which is a really like high demand yeah i'm special and so is brian we both are um and so then i was like wait i I didn't realize my blood was needed. Like, and then I didn't do anything because I couldn't, I never did figure out like, you know, so I don't know. It's just an example of like, to me, whatever, whatever I can do in that moment with, with of course, proper research, but without letting the research get in the way of doing something. Oh, yes, exactly. I don't want to advocate either just being mindless about anything. Um, but there comes a point where being too mindful can yes. get in the way of doing anything at all. And I yeah. think that it's like, it's a, there's a middle ground. Yeah, I think so. Um, I really like the emails that Kristen and Liz of Cool Mom Picks send out with ways to help. They've been doing this, unfortunately, a lot because there there's are lots, lots of ways there's to help. lots of needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and their emails and their I mean, they post them on their website as well, but they're just really simple. And I trust their, you know, they are moms and, you know. So some a lot of the time it has to do with moms, babies, children, but not always. I mean, we are all humans and Mm. want to help other humans. So that's one source I would recommend. I mean, of course there's like the big watchdogs and the charity navigators and those types of things. But again, am I, am I going to go down that rabbit hole of research or am I going to trust someone I trust? And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I don't want to sound too woo woo about this, but um, I also think this is a good time to think about your local community, because yep. even if your local community isn't in need right now, did we even mention, like, by the way, the wildfires? I don't think we even talked no. about that. No. Oh, yeah. My state's on fire. The, I forgot to fire. mention about that. So, so, yeah. so my the northern so part of you, my it state. it is local. It is. Yeah. The, so the, the really, really catastrophic and like record setting fires are up north in Napa and Sonoma counties in Northern California, which is far from me. But we had wildfires in Orange County last week that were because all the resource, the state resources were up north. Um, the fires spread and and nothing, nothing that compares to up north, but damages. I mean, there was evacuations and homes were lost and things happened right here in Orange yeah. County. Um, there was also a small shooting in my town last That's week. Right. So there's like things yeah. that I didn't even mention that. <laughs> right, I know. But yes, it's, fire. Yeah. It's all adding up fire. Well, I I think that um, I think that I guess to my point, then, you know, if you continue helping out people in your neighborhood, even if there's not a crisis Mm -hmm. in your own community and staying involved locally and staying and staying abreast of what's happening locally, it's just so much easier to digest and actually make a difference and get involved in. And I do feel like it makes 
there is a ripple effect and I yes. do feel like it makes a difference. Like everything you do on a local level affects like the greater. Yeah, I agree. I don't know, the greater consciousness and do that's you... the woo-woo part of what I'm getting at. But <laughs> So I know you think you work in local radio and you also live in a small town. Do you feel like you have, it's pretty easy to be dialed into what's happening locally just because you've lived there a while and the, the people you're connected to? Um, it is. Well, it depends what you're talking about. Like as far as happening, um, I guess I just mean like, like you said, staying connected to your local community, things, you know, ways to help or things that are going on. Um, I sometimes find that my, most of my media sources are national and I live in this very sprawling suburban area where one town bleeds into the next. And like, it can, it can actually feel kind of hard to think, think locally, whether you're trying to find like a restaurant or help out in a cause. It can be difficult. I think. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, here it's like it's not necessarily coming through the media. It's honestly like just look around, you can see it. Like okay. it's it's so small. Yeah. <laughs> and we know we know what the needs are here. I mean, it's yeah. obvious. Um and it's it's almost like word of mouth. It's yeah. it's a very different environment because you're not segregated here so much by socioeconomic because it's small and so yeah. everyone is everyone's neighbor and you know right. it's you can be. I mean, it's easy to live in a bubble here if you want to. Right. Um but it's also really easy not to. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's a little, the area I live in is pretty unique in that way. I think for you, it probably, you probably would have to be tied in with some kind of organization yeah. or, you know, really, or reading like community newspapers. Yep. I know like mm-hmm. neighborhoods have newspapers and small communities have news. And those ones I think are the ones that tend to tackle like what happened at the city council mm-hmm. meeting last night or what yep. happened at, you know, this zoning meeting. And that's how you kind of find yeah. out. What's no, even on. I feel like even being um, part of our school community because it's yep. a new school um, and it's drawing from different parts of Orange County, but it tends to draw very um, like civically minded and involved people because it takes a lot of work mm-hmm. to to found a charter school. Um, so even something as small as that, um, I do feel more connected locally than I did before we were at that school because I just think there's like you said word of mouth and just um, being being nearby people who might be more civically minded or right. just even been in the area I haven't been in the area all that long so I was just yeah. curious how that how that worked um gosh I I don't know how much more I have to say on knowing how to help except that um whatever you're doing is okay and mm. I it's one of those things like when we say take the long view, I know I always say that all the time, but I feel like, um, yes, like what you said, if you're taking care of your neighbor, if you are doing what's right in your local community, it's okay to pick and choose the causes that feel right to you or that are okay financially to throw some money into right now. We can't all do everything. And Mm. I think, um, it's easy to feel helpless, but every little that's so cheesy everything little thing helps but you know it's okay whatever you can yeah. do and and i think that one thing that's really helped me um because when we think about helping we also think about speaking out and i know that that's something that right now is becoming i feel very important like mm-hmm. i look around and say this there's things happening right now that aren't not okay and mm-hmm. at what point do i speak out and i think to kind of circle back to what we said early early in the conversation for me the way I have chosen to do that is to pick things that I feel that I can speak um, not only in a knowledgeable way about, or at least my, where my opinion feels like something I can stand strongly behind, mm-hmm. but also where in a way where I feel like my words will have impact mm-hmm. considering my audience, which yep. is really diverse mm-hmm. and really, um, you know, some people are 
some people it's preaching to the choir. Some people are going to be receptive to what I'm saying, but not really believe it. And some mm-hmm. people are going to be very closed off to what I'm saying. So how do I structure something I say in a way that it's not just me showing the world I have an opinion? Because we can all do that. Like, look right. at me, you know, yeah, I can I can retweet and repost right. snarky articles, too. But there's so much of that now. And there's so much noise. Like, how do you just how do you make your words have impact? And I think for me, the way that is is choosing what I say carefully, mm-hmm. thinking on it if necessary, choosing the arguments I, I decide to wade into really carefully um, and not jumping on everything because if I do that, I just become noise and I and I can't then I just become like an outrage machine right and I don't want to be that because well, I, I don't think, think it's helpful. I think you're really good at that from from my perspective. I see you doing that and I really admire it. Um, it's a little bit like what we've said to writers, which it's easy for writers to think everything's been said and it's easy to right. feel like like your opinion in this oversaturated opinion land is one thing, but I think you're so right that we each have a different audience and we don't know what our words are where they're going to land. Um, and if they are true, and like you said, carefully chosen, that is absolutely a way to contribute to the conversation in a, in a meaningful way. And I think you do it really yeah. well. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's not always easy. And no. I'm sure I screw it up sometimes, but <laughs> you know, but you, that's you're okay saying too. something. So, yeah. Um, okay. Well, <sighs> let's, let's invite our listeners to continue this conversation because it is not an easy one. And we by no means can put a bow on it like we sometimes say yeah um so we'd love to get your comments on the show notes at themomhour.com this is episode 124 would love to hear your thoughts ways that you are contributing ways that you feel overwhelmed ways that you are taking care of yourself in the face of everything that's going on if you are affected significantly in the ways we talked about i mean we're all affected but if you're you know, homeland is on fire or underwater, um, or you have been otherwise traumatized by all this, we are just thinking of you and our hearts are with you. And I know that, you know, our listeners are such a great community that, uh, you know, people are sending that love to each other, even without knowing each other. So, um, all right. Anything else from your end, Megan? No, I think that that's a big topic that, you know, honestly, I could probably talk all day and, and, and be less and less helpful the more I talk. So, yeah. All right, everybody. Well, we will be back with you next week. And again, everything we talked about and more is at themomhour.com, episode 124. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.